growing in God's Word, and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Why should Christ be the heartbeat of my life? There's lots of things competing for our attention. There's lots of things competing for our time. There's lots of things competing for what is the driving passion or desire of my life. And, and some of those things, it's not that they're necessarily bad. It's just the question of, are they enough? Is that really enough for what we were created for? The heart is an amazing part of the human body. The heart beats life-giving blood to every part of our body. If there's no heartbeat, there is no life. Spiritually speaking, it's also true to say that the heartbeat is critical. Everything depends on the heartbeat. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Today, we continue our series in the book of Philippians entitled Heartbeat, and we're so glad you could join us. As Pastor Clay explained in last week's message as we kicked off this series, the Apostle Paul's heartbeat, what mattered to him the most of anything, was Jesus Christ, and nowhere is that more evident than in the book of Philippians. I just I think it's beautiful the way Paul handles all of this. He Last week, he just set the table and we spent some time in verse 6 where he said, listen, don't, this is, don't even think this is about you. Salvation is a work of God. Most of us understand that if we claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, He should be the heartbeat of our lives as well. But in the busy world in which we live, is that just a pipe dream, a nice idea, but not a reality? Or is it really possible for the driving force of our life to be Christ? Discovering that exciting truth is what this series and today's message is all about. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back at the end of the message to wrap things up. But now, here's Pastor Clay with this week's Crosswalk. Heartbeat is a series based in the book of Philippians, looking at what it is that should be the heartbeat of our lives. And if you are here last week, we answered that question right at the very beginning. No surprises, weren't holding anything back. The heartbeat of our lives should be Christ, and that's, that's what this series is about. But I'm also hoping that within the process of this series, however many weeks it goes, and quite honestly, I don't know for sure how long it will go, but however long it takes us to work through the four chapters of the book of Philippians, I hope that we'll also be answering the question, why? Why should Christ be the heartbeat of my life? There's lots of things competing, Right? There's lots of things competing for our attention. There's lots of things competing for our time. There's lots of things competing for what is the driving passion or desire of my life. And we talked about some of those examples last week, how many different things that there can be. And, and some of those things, as I said, it's not that, that they're necessarily bad. It's just the question of, are they enough? Is, is that really enough for what we were created for? So I hope that we also a- answer the question, why should Christ be the heartbeat of our life? And then, of course, I also always, this is a question I hope that we answer, is the how question. How do we make Christ the heartbeat of our lives? Okay, I'm, I'm trying to do this. I'm struggling with this. I want this to be the case. I want to do it this way. I'm hoping that it works out this way. But, but anything you can send my way, Pastor, that sure would be a help. If you could tell me, you know, how this happens, I really would appreciate it. How can we make Christ the heartbeat of our lives. Heartbeat um, is an important part of our function physically, right? Right? Everything kind of depends on the heartbeat, doesn't it? 
I'll tell you, let's, uh, let's see if we can, let's just, I don't know, let's just see if we can hear a few heartbeats in here this morning, just to see how those heartbeats sound. So let's just, uh, let, let's, take, let's take Cindy here, let's take my, my lovely wife. You don't have to get up, baby, just stay right there. I'm just going to put this microphone right against your heart. I'm going to see if, if uh, we can hear your heart. Who would have figured? I just... It's astounding. Well, what do you know? Here's John Spolino, our fantastic worship pastor. has been with us that long, but our fantastic single worship pastor that uh, just gelled with this, with this team so well. And it's just really a servant's heart. I mean that with all my heart. Um, but he just done a fantastic job. I, I, don't, I don't know. Y'all like to hear what, what, what John's... Let's hear what John's heart sounds like. Well, there's Ed Alexander back there. Ed Alexander, he, he's, just, he's, just, he's just one of my, one of my buds. And, and uh, one, one of you guys... Don't worry, Rocky. Uh, nothing to worry about. Would you hold that? Just hold that up against Ed's. Just hold that to your chest. Let's just, let's just hear. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. <laughs> wow. How about that? I just, I just didn't, I just, how, it's amazing. I don't know. Well, you know, of course, that kind of makes me think, I, I wonder what, I wonder what my heartbeat sounds like. I, I just, just curious. I, let, let's just see what my heartbeat sounds like. Is it in there? I guess I'm just more spiritual than y'all. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, okay, all right. We're having a little fun. We're having a little fun. Okay. But, um, obviously, your heartbeat, as I just said ago, is very, very important. Well, everybody do me a favor in here. I want you right now, um, I want you to take your hand and put it on your heart. Now, you have to be really still and really quiet. Um, but if, we're, if you're really still and really quiet, and it may or may not work. If we all had stethoscopes, then it wouldn't be a problem. But if you're really still and, and really quiet, put your hand on your heart. You might be able to actually feel your heart, but you might even actually be able to hear it. I got nothing. <laughs> now, uh, the, the, obviously, the heartbeat is crucial to our lives, right? The heartbeat sends blood, all right? Anatomy 101. The heartbeat sends blood uh, through the circular system throughout our body and, and keeps all of the organs and all the limbs and everything, part of our body, operating, functioning, and healthy. The heartbeat is critical. The same thing is true spiritually speaking. Spiritually speaking, it's also true to say that the heartbeat is critical. Everything depends on the heartbeat. Uh, we're going to continue this story in... Um, this letter in the book of Philippi, Philippians this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to continue reading this morning in chapters 7 through 11. But before we do, and as we do, I want to share with you today what we sometimes call around here uh, the BP squared or the big picture biblical principle. 
from the text that we're reading this morning. I want to, I want to give you the BP squared, the big picture biblical principle. If you'd like to fill in notes, um, you have an outline and you feel free to do that. But the, the BP squared for today looks like this. Our heart, head, and hands have a spiritual connection. There is a spiritual connection between our heart, our head, and our hands. Let's read about it this morning, beginning in Philippians chapter 1 and picking it up in verse 7. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness. How I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. So that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's pretty obvious that the Apostle Paul has a deep affection for the church in Philippi. It's pretty obvious that he loves the church in Philippi. As I mentioned last week, uh, they, had, they had ministered to each other. It was Paul who had gone there in the first place and established the church in Philippi at great cost to, to himself, personally, physically. But he went there and he shared the message of Jesus. And, and the church was founded on, on a, a woman named Lydia, probably a slave girl who was a fortune teller, and a jailer, a prison guard there. You can read the whole story in Acts chapter 16. And I love the story because it just kind of shows us how you have these these three different people, and, and as a matter of full disclosure, the text doesn't tell us for sure that the um, slave girl slash fortune teller trusted Christ as her Savior. The text doesn't specifically tell us. It does tell us that Paul cast out of her, it's a rather humorous story actually when you read it, but Paul cast out of her some type of spiritual, uh, almost uh, certainly demonic uh, influence in her life that gave her either the, some type of appearance of fortune telling or being able to tell the future or some ability to tell the future in some way or whatever all that might be. We do know that Paul did that and it stands to reason that if Paul had set her free from, from this captivity of her life that she would have come to know Christ our Savior. Don't know that for sure, but what we do know is this, is that you had all these different peoples from different walks of life, different life situations, different struggles, different heartaches, different everything coming together, all coming together under the, under the banner, under the shadow, if you will, of the cross of Jesus Christ. I love that so much because, because part of the vision that is cross-culture church is that we would be that kind of church. You know, maybe this is just a, a good time uh, to bring this up. I haven't done this in a while. Maybe it's just a good time to bring this up and remind you all, why are we called Cross-Culture Church? Is that, is that just some slick name that we came up with? Is that just some marketing thing? Is that just something we thought that was kind of clever? Or, or, you know, why are we called Cross-Culture Church? No, 
It's not because of some slick marketing thing. It's not because we thought it was a clever name necessarily or anything else. Our name, and some of you are hearing this for the very first time. It's something we say a lot. We talk about it in our Cross-Culture Connect class. But our name actually tells us what we desire to be as a church. For instance, our name says that we'll be a church that will cross over into our culture and engage our world with the message of Jesus. That's just going to be part of who we are as a church. We're not interested in being a social club. We're not interested in being inward turned, but that it is part of our founding that we are going to engage our culture. We're going to cross over into our culture and engage them with the message of Jesus. Probably you've seen this verse before, Matthew chapter 28, what's known as the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, all power in heaven and on earth is given to me, so go and make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I've taught you, and I will be with you always, even to the end of this age. By the way, we're having a baptismal service If you want to know more about baptism, what is that? Why do we do that? We're having a baptism service coming up on July 15th. You can talk to me about that. And if it's something that you'd like to know more about, I'd love to share that with you. But that's part of our name. We're going to cross over into our culture. Uh, One of the sayings, and we have many sayings around cross-culture, don't we? Thank you. (laughs) One of our sayings here at cross-culture is that life is a mission trip, right? You've heard that. I know I've said it. You weren't listening, but I've said it. Life is a mission trip. It's not a matter of, we got a team going to Peru next month. It's rapidly approaching. And I hope you guys are praying for them and, and, and trying to support them financially in any way you can. Because they're, they're stepping out and they're, and they're going. But it's not just about going to Peru. It's that every single day you and I are thinking, okay, God, as I go out into the world today, how can I engage those around me? Who, who as I come into contact, maybe somebody I work with, go to school with, uh, my neighbor across the street, do they know Christ is their Savior? Are you, are you asking that question when you're around people? I wonder if they're saved. I wonder if they'll spend eternity in heaven or not. Life is a mission trip, folks. Okay, so our name, our name tells us that. Second, um, it, it, our name says that we will be a church that will be a cross-segment of our culture. Uh, I love Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. It says, In Christ there is no Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. In other words, we, it's not... All different backgrounds, all different ethnicities, all different social upbringings, all different... Everything, everybody coming together as the body of Christ. And that's something that that we desire to see. That we're across, that we look like our culture, that we look like our community. Red, yellow, black and white, pink polka dotted, whatever. We've never actually seen any pink polka dotted people, but they could be out there and we should reach them. And then third, our name says that we have a church that will be a culture built on the message of the cross. We're going to, we are a culture, how we interact, what we do, our daily lives. We are a culture built on the cross of Christ. And, and this, our theme verse for cross-culture church is here in uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The cross was an instrument of death in that day. They knew exactly what Jesus meant when he said that. You got to die to yourself. This isn't about you as Rick Warren famously says. This is about the kingdom of God 
in glorifying God. And we're going to be a culture built on that. As we've always said, is if, if you're wanting, well, I think it, I want this or I want that or I don't. It's, this, is, this is about how God can use us to bring glory to his name. Right? Amen? Okay. So, all right. That's what cross-culture, that's, that's part of who we are. That's what we're about. That's what our name says to us. Brian and Kara Webb are, uh, and their family have been attending cross-culture for uh, some time uh, now, and they recently went through the Cross-Culture Connect class, which is a class that we have for folks uh, wanting to know more about cross-culture or thinking about uh, officially connecting to cross-culture. And uh, they're coming, uh, they've fulfilled everything that's required for membership, and, and, um, and so I, I just asked Brian, he just shared some things with me, and I just asked him he would share with those, some of those with you today. So as they come up here, um, they're just going to share a little bit about uh, why they're connecting with cross-culture. You guys, come on up here, please, this morning. Make them feel welcome. You guys want to hear what my heart sounds like? I'm a little bit nervous. Um, so, uh, I guess you guys remember Kara. I'm the backslidden guy. So about 10 years ago, uh, we got into, uh, into our walk back with Christ. Well, really back for me and, and new for her. And uh, as we started to seek out the Lord and, and uh, visit different places, we've, we found places that would give you a nice loaf of bread when you came as a as a member, and, and you would hear a good sermon uh, that was kind of about how to act and feel, and you would go to places that would have comfy seats and those sort of things. And as, uh, as we got more and more into it, there was this kind of thirst and hunger, particularly for me, that led us to, um, to kind of drive around further and further. And it's really, uh, you know, I mean, if you really look around America, it's easy to get a little sad because we uh, had to drive 20 miles to go find our... our uh, our home for a while. It was about 10 years we were there. And uh, we live literally across the street, right? So this neat thing happened. It's, uh, the, the scripture you brought up in Philippians was pretty cool because I think uh, what happened was that uh, we had a God place, uh, God place um, in his heart to come here. That was literally uh, a half a mile from where we live. And so let's do a survey here. Who lives more than 10 miles away? So a lot of you guys came too. How about under 10 miles? Under five miles? Two miles. So it's neat, this thing that's happening, right? There's, there's this thing being created here that, uh, where we actually get fed the word. So one of the things, I actually am not going to text, I'm going to read my phone. Wow, I didn't know it did that. So um, this is in Amos, and, and as I was talking to Pastor Clay, how could Amos relate to this? Because Amos is about uh, judging of, of all the lands around Israel that were idolatrous, and then Israel was becoming idolatrous itself. And uh, it kind of sounds a little bit of like what's happening here in North America, that sort of thing. I, I'm actually from the Southwest, and there's a lot of that around even today. And uh, one of the things that uh, would come across, uh, came across, you know, my, my study as I did it was, I'll just read, there's just two quick uh, verses in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst, or water, for water. But of hearing the words of the Lord, and they shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east, and they shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. So, um, boy, that's not happening around here, praise God. Um, we used to have to drive 20 miles, and now we drive literally about 20 seconds. And, and I just pray that this place would grow, and I'm seeing it. About half of the people left to go serve uh, our children, but I was how, when did we start coming here? Last October. This place has grown a lot since we've come here. And I just really praise God for that. So we're here to profess our membership here. 
um, in this body, but we all know if we have Jesus in our heart and have a repentant relationship with him, we have a global church that we belong to. All this global stuff nowadays, God's been doing it for about six or 7,000 years now, right? <laughs> so uh, we're all a part of that, but we're a part of this one too, and we're happy to be here and serve. So thank you so much. Thanks, now, by the way, if you, uh, if you say, you know what, I think God wants me to be a part of cross-culture. We need to connect into that church. I'm, I don't make everybody come up here and talk, all right? So just want to, if you're thinking that, already sweating bullets. No, I just, Brian just encouraged me with what he, with what he said. And, and I think that we all need to be encouraged at times to be reminded that, that God is at work and God is doing a thing, a work. Okay, all right, all right. Back to uh, Philippians chapter 1. Uh, well, let, let's, let's, let's look at. Verse 7, or um, Paul says, It's only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. Watch this. Go on, if we can, please, sir. Go to verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. So Paul cares deeply for the church in Philippi. And they care deeply for him. They administered to him. We talked about that last week. They're praying for each other. And Paul's prayer is very specific. And that's where I want to spend the rest of the few moments that we have this morning. Paul says, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more. So here's, here's the idea that I want to start with this morning uh, as, as we look at this prayer. Heart growing. Heart growing. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more. Not necessarily their love for Paul. Nothing wrong with them loving Paul. That, that was great. But it would be about a bit self-serving for Paul to ask them to, uh, to love him more. Not even their love for each other. And that was important. And that's something Paul certainly would have wanted for their life. He wanted them to love each other and for that love to continue to grow. But in the context of Philippians chapter 1 and Philippians in general, more specifically, their love for God, their love for the kingdom of God, their love for the things of God, their love for Christ. In other words, their heartbeat. That's what Paul's praying for. I pray that your love may abound more and more, that this thing will continue to grow and grow and grow in you. This relationship with Christ that begins instantaneously the moment we accept Christ as our personal Savior. But it doesn't end there, ladies and gentlemen. It's something that, that goes on for the rest of our lives as we continue to grow and deepen in our love for God and our relationship with Him. When I, uh, when I, when I think about this was just the first person that popped in my mind when I was thinking about that subject matter. I was working on this text and just how love grows. The first person I thought of, which most of you in here don't know, was a, was a woman named Miss Lois Carlton. I had the privilege of being Miss Carlton's pastor for the last uh, several years of her life. And I can't remember for sure, but I think Miss Carlton was way up in her 90s when she passed away. But Miss Carlton's love for Jesus Christ was an, was an, it was an amazing thing to me. I, it, just, it just seemed to get deeper and deeper every time I saw this lady. And, you know, it wasn't really actually like this, but it was almost like there was a glow around uh, Miss Lois Carlton. It was amazing. Anytime I would go to see her, now Miss Carlton was way past, I'm sure she was legally blind. She was, she was practically blind, couldn't see much of anything else. People had to help her around. But anytime I'd go to see, to see her, she would always, you know, show me what she was studying, right, in depth in God's Word and how she was working on the, what all she was doing and, and 
like I said, she couldn't see very well. She had this giant magnifying glass that she used to use, and it didn't even have a handle, if I remember right. It was just this, this glass that she just held onto and just poured over the Word of God. She would always tell me what, all the different uh, pastor's tapes that she had. She would show me all these tapes of David Jeremiah and Charles Stanley, and I don't ever remember seeing any tapes of me, but, but she had all these tapes, these messages that she would listen to, all these series, and she'd tell me all about these series and what they're studying and all this kind of stuff. Uh, anytime we had a mission team going out, I mentioned the pro team earlier, anytime, anytime we had a mission team going out, um, and, and I, would, I would tell folks, listen, you might not be able to go physically on this trip. I hope you can go on some trip. You might not be able to physically go on this trip, but you can go spiritually. You can have a part in this trip by praying for these people and by giving financially, giving sacrificially, going without coffee for a month or something so that these people can go on this trip. And anytime I would give some type of encouragement to the people like that, after the service, Miss Carlton would always come and find me, and she'd She'd put a $20 bill in my hand. She'd just kind of slip very indiscreetly and slip a $20 bill in my hand. And she'd say, give this to the people. Uh, give this to the, help the people go on the mission trip. Now, anybody that, know, that knows me very well knows that I, I, I do not like to handle the money. I don't take money. I don't, especially don't take cash money. It's just a policy. I've always stay away from the money. I don't ever want to, you know, all that kind of stuff. But how are you going to say no to Miss Carlton? You know, how you, you, just, you just can't do it. So I take it and I give it, turn it in, all that kind of stuff. But it was just something about her life that just... This lady just loves Jesus, and it just doesn't seem to quit in her, and literally didn't right up until her death. That's, that's what we're talking about here. It's a love that grows and grows and grows in our lives. This might be a good time to just stop and ask you, and we'll move on real quickly. If you look at your lives, and I'm not just picking on dads. I know this is Father's Day, but I, this is a series I'm doing. So this applies to everybody. If you look at your life, could you, could you back away long enough to just kind of look at your, your spiritual life and you say, well, I, I, know, I know Jesus is my Savior. I absolutely know I am saved. I'm redeemed. I'm going to heaven when I die. I don't have any question about that. By the way, if you do have questions about that, that's not a bad thing. We can, we can help answer those questions, but it's okay if you have a question about that. But if you say, I know I'm going to heaven when I die... That happened six months ago or six years ago. Or Ms. Carlton's case is 60 plus years ago. If you could step back from your life and look at your life, can you look at your life and say, I'm falling more in love with Jesus. I'm more in love with him today than I was a year ago. I'm deeper in my commitment. I'm more serious about my walk than I was two months ago or two years ago. or I don't know, whatever time frame that's not really the point. The point is, is this just something, okay, one and done, said the prayer, I'm good to go, you know, get, a, get out of hell free card. You understand what I'm saying? Or is there something more to this? Should be. Paul says, I am praying for you that your love would grow more and more. Can I just, can I just testify as your pastor that has been the prayer of my life for you since the inception of Cross Culture Church? Since I've become a pastor, my prayer has been that your love would grow deeper and deeper for Christ. Hearts, heart growing. Uh, Second, head knowing. Now, watch this connection here. In uh, Philippians chapter 1 again, latter part of verse 9 and the first part of verse 10. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more, in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent. 
I, just, I think it's beautiful the way Paul handles all of this. He, last week, he just set the table and we spent some time in verse 6 where he said, listen, don't, this is, don't even think this is about you. Salvation is a work of God. God has done this work in your life. And, and verse 6 seems to make that very clear. He who began a good work in you, will, he will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So Paul kind of sets the table with that idea that this isn't about your good works. This isn't about being a good person. This, isn't about, this is about the work of God and what he's done in your life. And, and then he follows that up as he moves in on into this passage. He begins to talk about how this love is this growing thing. And this love and this love then is connected to this knowledge that increases. And the increased knowledge then increases my discernment, my ability to, to discern or to tell what's good, what's, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, what's uh, God-honoring, what's not God-honoring, that it's that knowledge that begins to come into my life and the knowledge that Paul speaks of. By the way, um, uh, according to uh, Bible commentator uh, uh, Boyce, John Boyce, the word that Paul uses there, epikonoso, is only used for a special spiritual knowledge. The, the word in the New Testament is only used to refer to spiritual knowledge. So Paul's not praying that just knowledge in general, that you'll be smarter people. He's praying specifically that your knowledge for the things of God, that our knowledge for the things of God would grow and grow and grow, and that it would increase. Now, um, our bodies eventually reach a point, when we're younger, our bodies grow, right? Our limbs grow, you know, usually we, we grow taller. Our, our muscles, they get big, you know, when we're children, we're growing, they're, they're, they're growing. But we eventually reach a spot where that stops, don't we? Sometimes maybe our waist doesn't, we, we have to be careful of that. But, but we, we, we stop growing. And we actually begin to go the other way. Our bodies actually begin to deteriorate. I know if you're here, you're 18 or you're 25 or something, you don't think that's the case. But trust me, been there, done that, uh, you, it will begin to deteriorate. In, in science, it's known as the law of entropy or the second law of thermodynamics. It basically means that everything in the universe is in a state of decline. Everything in the universe is in a state of, of, of breaking down, breaking up, tearing up. It's just a universal law of existence. But that's not true, spiritually speaking. The law of entropy doesn't affect spiritual growth. We can grow deeper and deeper in love, and that love can increase greater and greater our knowledge of the kingdom of God. And Paul is specifically referring to the kind of knowledge that comes to us through the word of God, ladies and gentlemen, through this book right here. This is how it comes to us. And notice how he makes this connection with this, how love leads to greater knowledge, but then the knowledge leads to a greater commitment, a greater love for him. Those two are are inseparable. And that makes sense if you think about it, because the truth is you can't really love a person until you know them. Would you agree with that statement? I mean, think about it. Now, people people might say they love a movie star, they love a, a singing star or something like that, but that's not really true. They may be infatuated with them. They may even appreciate them, but they're not really in love with them because they don't really know them. I, I was thinking, I was, when I was, right? I was thinking, I wonder how many people there are that are infatuated with Jesus and what he did or they're even appreciative of what Jesus did, but they don't really love Jesus because they don't really know Jesus. 
They may know about him. They may know what he did, but they don't actually know him. Knowing him, the knowledge comes through this love that, it, that drives me to the word of God, ladies and gentlemen. You know why that's important? Because I don't believe you can actually, that you can really know God except through the word of God. I think that it's through the word of God that, that the knowledge about God comes into our lives. And it becomes vitally important for our lives. Let me tell you when this really struck home for me. Um, when when uh, Cindy and I surrendered our lives to the Lord Jesus, we were in our early mid-20s. And, uh, and God, God gave me a desire for his word almost from the get-go I wanted to learn. I didn't, I didn't know Matthew from Malachi. I, I didn't know any of these guys. And, and I didn't know what they... But, but he, uh, so I, want, I started reading his word and I started studying his word. And, and, I, and I was liking what I was reading. But um, I think we'd been three or four years walking with Jesus. We attended a church where, where the Word of God was taught on a regular basis. And, uh, but, but, I, but back then, I worked for the, for the post office, United States Postal Service. And uh, we transferred to Middle Tennessee, Nashville area, moved to Waverly, Tennessee. And some of you have heard me tell this before. But uh, the first Sunday, we attended a local church up there. Uh, we noticed as we were coming in, as we were sitting down, that, that nobody, had their, nobody had their Bibles with them. Now, don't squirm. Okay, you got to remember this was pre, this was pre uh, video technology and all that kind of stuff. You could, churches couldn't put uh, the text up on the screen like we do today. Now I still think you got to bring a Bible. I'm just old school that way. Whether it's electronic version or I'm just old school. But anyway, um, this was before all of that, and we nobody had their Bibles. And and then once the service started, uh, we figured out why nobody had their Bibles is because the pastor didn't use the Bible. It just it just wasn't just wasn't Used And this was the first time we'd ever been exposed to a situation where the Word of God wasn't the primary instrument used uh, for instruction uh, to the people of God. And it's a, it's a long story and all that kind of stuff, but the bottom line was that, that we ended up with a, with a greater appreciation for the Word of God than we'd ever had in our lives before, and a greater desire to go to the Word of God and study the Word of God and, and meditate on the Word of God and memorize the Word of God. And guess what happened as we did that? Our love for God increased and our ability to begin to discern God's will for our lives in, in everyday things. Is this something you should do? Is this a direction you should go? Is this a job you should take? Is this, is this the way you should uh, discipline your children? Is this in, in everything of our lives, we began to, to increase in our ability to discern the will of God for our lives that came about as a result of the word of God going into our lives that occurred because we were in love with God and wanted to know him more deeply. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know I'm going on about this, but it's just, this is just important, folks. This is important. I, um, I recently uh, watched, two weeks in a row, I watched a, a pastor of, a, of a, one of the largest churches in America um, who, who I, I like this guy. I think a lot of this guy, uh, I think theologically he's, he's solid for the most part and, you know, believes in the Word of God and, and that sort of thing. And like I said, he pastors one of the largest churches in America. But on Sunday nights recently, two Sunday nights, I, I watched him and I think he's a fantastic communicator. And uh, he was doing this series, uh, 
it doesn't matter. But anyway, the series started with him driving. He drives onto the stage in this, had to be $150,000, $200,000 Ferrari. You know, and there's, there's cameras in the car, and there's cameras out of the car, and there's smoke, you know, you know and all stuff as he's driving on. Not, that's, I'm not saying that's wrong. And he drives out on the, the stage in the Ferrari, and he's roaring the engine, and, you know, and the thousands of people are like, ah, yeah, they're getting into it, and he's, you know, Ferrari, and, and, then, and then he gets out, and he begins to, to preach. And this whole sermon was built around this Ferrari, and, all, you know, all the different parts of the car, and he was making spiritual application for, from the car, um, uh, you know, for our lives. And listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big creative guy. I think we ought to be creative. I think we ought to, I, I, Dr. Patterson used to tell me, my, the president of Southeastern when I was there, he used to say it ought to be a sin to make the Bible boring. And he's right. It, it should be. It ought to be exciting. It ought to be fresh. It ought to be uh, innovative. I've got no problem with it. The problem I had uh, was that, that I never heard or saw him open or teach from the Word of God one single solitary time. I, I can only remember him making one vague reference to the Word of God the whole time. And listen, I, I, don't, I don't mean to throw the guy under the Ferrari. I, I like him. I think, he's, I think he's a good guy. And, and listen to me. Nobody wants to see cross-culture grow more than I do. And Brian's right. We are growing. This time last year, starting into summer, it was like, tumbleweeds could, might blow through here. It was so, it was so we, we are growing, and I, and, I, and I praise God for that. Nobody wants to see cross-culture grow more than I do. And can I, I just be honest with you? I'd love to preach to thousands of people, okay? There, I said, I'd love to preach to thousands of people. I don't, got any, I don't make any apologies for that. I, I, I think God's given me a message that I communicate that can impact people's lives. And I'm all for creativity. I'm all for all that kind of stuff, but listen to me. This is what I'm saying to you. So, you know, if, if this is not your cup of tea, we will not sacrifice this. We will not sacrifice the word of God. Because I'll just be honest with you, I'm not sharp enough to really have much of a message for you if it's not, if it's not from here. I, I'm just not that, that, that good. That guy, he was, he's good. He can talk about a car forever and make spiritual application. And I'm not saying the spiritual application was wrong. I'm just saying this, this is what it is, folks. This is where the knowledge comes. This is where I get to know God. All right, I'm flying. I'm skipping. I gotta, uh, it's, it's even, yeah. Okay, all right, let me... Let me give you one more. Hands showing. Heart growing, head knowing, hands showing. Watch this, how he builds this, how this happens. Latter part of verse 10. I want you to have this knowledge that comes from this love in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. He mentioned that already. Remember that? He's already mentioned the day of Christ in verse 6, the return of Christ. That day's coming. In order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Look at, how, look at what Paul's doing here. Boy, I'm praying that your love grows more and more. And with that love comes, comes true, real knowledge so that you'll be able to make good discernment. So that then you'll be able to have actions, you'll be able to have fruit of righteousness in your life. So that the life that you live will be a life that will bring praise and honor and glory to God. <sighs> Thanks, just thought I'd shout there. Get that out. That's the, that's the idea here. What, what, what my heart is about, what the heartbeat of my heart is, will drive me to knowledge of that subject. Whether it's cars or or crocheting, or God. It'll drive me to, to more knowledge for that. And that knowledge will then affect, I'll be a better mechanic, I'll be a better crocheter, 
I'll be a better follower of Jesus as a result. It affects my hands. It affects the work that I do. Does that make sense to you? You understand what I'm saying to you? This, Paul says, this is what is the end result of your life. This is what ought to happen in your life as a result of that. Your lives ought to be changed. It ought to be, you ought to be, and here's what Paul says, you ought to be sincere. In the ancient world, pottery uh, was used for virtually everything. The less expensive pottery was thick, it was heavy, it was used for just everyday stuff. But there was also a higher grade, a higher level of, of pottery. And from what I understand, it took much longer to produce. It was much thinner, and it had almost a clear color to it. As you can imagine, that pottery, the more fragile, the more valuable pottery, was very fragile. This thin, valuable, was very fragile. And and many times, the pottery would crack in the process of firing, where where the pottery is put into the, the fire to fire it to whatever that is, get it ready. Okay. <laughs> no, that's right. So, uh, it, it would, so sometimes it would crack in that. Less scrupulous dealers in pottery began to melt wax and pour wax into the crack of the pottery, which was, as I understand it, virtually impossible to see, especially once it was glazed or, or painted over. By the way, the only way that it could be, if, when I was saying the only way you could recognize whether it, the pottery was, had imperfections or not was to hold it up to the sunlight. It was the light of the sun that exposed the imperfections in the pottery. Well, I could just go off on that all day, couldn't you? But the scrupulous, the more honest, the, the honest dealers, in order to combat this, began to stamp or write on, on their pottery, on the bottoms of their pottery, sine sira, without wax. In other words, Paul says, be sincere, be the real deal, be genuine. Nothing fake, nothing artificial, nothing covered up in your life. You're the real deal, you're a follower of Jesus, and it ought to show up in your life. It ought to make a difference. In the Middle Ages, during a time that's known as the Black Plague that spread all across Europe, where literally hundreds of thousands of people were dying from the Black Plague, People were fleeing from their li- for their lives, literally running for their lives out of the cities, trying to get away from, because they, they realized that it was when the mass of people together is where it spread like crazy. And so people were running for their lives to get out of the city, and they were living out in the countryside, staying away from people as much as they could, leaving behind the sick and those who were already infected, just left them there. History records that it was the followers of Jesus, it was the Christians in the cities who stayed in the cities to minister to those people who were sick and ailing and dying. They stayed there at risk of their own life. And in fact, many of them did die as a result of their staying behind to help. But history also records that many people came to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of the work of the hands that they saw of the followers of Jesus, the people that were willing to risk it all to bring glory to God and to build his kingdom. That's what we're talking about, folks. Paul's prayer for the Philippians and for us is that our heart would be growing in this love for God and that it would drive us to this desire for the knowledge of the word of God and that that would, in fact, give us discernment and the ability to be genuine and sincere in our hearts and in our lives and take actions that would bring glory to God. That would be the fruit produced in our lives. That's heartbeat. 
That's what God wants for you and me. Thanks, Pastor. As we heard today, there's a spiritual connection between our heart, our head, and our hands. Paul's love for the Philippians compelled him to pray that their love, their heartbeat, would grow and grow. The result would be greater spiritual wisdom and discernment and life that would honor and glorify God. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sundays at 1030 at Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.